When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This one goes out to those who want to start a business one day. This one goes out to those who are running a business and you've been a bit down and you want a bit of encouragement because it's rough out there, right? Well, you'll be encouraged with this episode. If you're not interested in starting a business or running a business, I reckon this is still an inspiring story and the stuff that we talk about, you might be able to glean and implement into your own teams in your workplace. I like to do episodes that will benefit everyone, even if it's only like relevant, say 20 or 30%, it can still be an encouragement for your life. Now, this episode today, I am talking with Jack Sheeran. Jack runs a local business at the junction in Newcastle. So if you're ever in Newcastle, there's a cafe called Tallulah Cafe and Bar. The reason I wanted to chat to Jack is, you know, in hospitality, there's a lot of plate spinning and don't excuse the pun, like there is a lot going on. Now, this Thursday episode is brought to you by Global X. As you know, we can't do our shows without the good quality show partners that help bring episodes to you each and every week. For more than a decade, their mission has been to empower investors with unexplored and intelligent solutions. And it's easy to invest in their ETFs. And the cool thing is, right, our Tuesday sponsor shares is you could invest in Global X ETFs through the Sharesies platform. So it's cool how our partners, you know, work hand in glove. Now, just log into your online trading account anywhere in Australia or chat with your advisor to see how Global X ETFs can fit into your investing strategy. And I would really encourage you to download their free Australian ETFs landscape report at globalxetfs.com.au forward slash MMM to stay informed with what's happening out there. Now, I bring you our chat about small business. I'm Glenn James. You're listening to My Millennial Money. Thanks so much for your support in everything that we do. Over to Jack. What inspired you to start your own business and what was the journey like in getting it off the ground? Um, yeah, I've always been an ambitious person, I think, and I've always sucked at rules. I think I'm a pretty bad employee, actually. Yeah. Um, I kind of have my own ideas and um, the one thing I hated being an employee is just doing things that just didn't make sense to me mm. or just doing things for the sake of it. So I love I love having a purpose. I love having a meaning and... Um, yeah, I was really lucky to work when I was younger for a really ambitious company and they really just gave me a chance just to do my own thing and run things my way and um, that was really successful for them and that gave me a chance to get up into my own business. Yeah. I often find like with business owners, you know, I've talked and met with a lot of business owners over the years yeah. and I think it's like there's two types of business owners. There's someone who has started something and maybe they've made leather wallets on the weekend and it's kind of taken off and yeah. it's just grown into these things like, oh, hang on, I'm just a creative person who like doing this stuff, this product has taken off. 
I think I like doing a business and then I land in this business and learning along the way. Yeah. Or there's the other fork in the road where strategically I hate rules, I hate getting told what to do, I want to control my own destiny and start that way. So to me, it, it's almost like you are more that side of it and being a bit more proactive in controlling your destiny. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a bit of both. I fall in the middle, I think, because I've always loved hospitality and um, I loved it when I was younger and I realized actually I'm pretty good at this, Yeah. you know, and I was always, I suppose, had those natural leadership qualities and yeah, I, like, I liked having something tangible mm. and that seemed to be my thing. I was quite creative, so I liked the balance of creativity, tangibility and working with people. Mm. Um, so in a way, I feel like I kind of just found my thing. Mm. And as I've gone on in my journey, I've become more of a business person and less of a hospitality person. I'd say I'm in a way less passionate about the industry now than I was back then. Back then it was about the product and what we could do and being the best and how do we change the game and all those sorts of things. Whereas now for me, it's just a vessel in which I can connect with people yeah, and, um, and build connections and, um, yeah, and, and facilitate a lifestyle. I love talking to hospitality business owners. And so, you know, we're sitting in your cafe in Newcastle, Tallulah. And if you ever visit Newcastle, make sure you drop into Tallulah, follow uh, Jack on Instagram, Tallulah Cafe. Yeah, that's that, right. Yeah. yeah, on Instagram. Check it out. I'm always around. And I love talking to business owners in hospitality because the business principles in every business, you know, can cut back to five principles that apply to every business, whatever those five are. But the cool thing about hospitality, there's a lot of moving parts. Oh, yeah. So you've got, um, which is number one important in every business, that customer engagement, customer experience. You've got a kitchen, you've got wait staff, you've got rock up each day you don't know how many people are coming in like there are so many moving variables yeah and i know for myself every time i've come here it's been the same experience whether there's two people in here or it's overflowed out the front and you can't get a seat so i i just you know if you do something good you really notice it yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. so let's rewind Talk to us about before you moved to Newcastle, what you were doing in Canberra, because we've got a lot of listeners in Canberra. Yeah, so great. hello the hello Cam- Canberrans. I might know some of you. Yeah, you definitely <laughs> it's a small would. Town yeah, right in Newcastle. So um, yeah, so I grew up in a farm just outside of Canberra. Ended up studying uni there at the University of Canberra as well. I did a double degree in commerce and advertising. Just did it as a degree. Um, ended up doing my whole last year in graphic design. Um, discovered actually I was a creative person. I grew up in a bit of a sporty sort of family. And there was no creativity, no music. It was sort of farm and sport and business and, you know, and my dad's, a, you know, one of those business people where it's, you know, very much a money thing more than like a, a passion thing, um, which that is his passion, which is cool, you know. So I discovered my creativity and realised, oh, shit, I'm actually a creative person. So I thought I'm going to be a graphic designer. Mm. Um, but I was doing hospitality and I found that when I get on a computer all my creativity goes. Really? <laughs> yeah. And when wow. I'm by myself, all my creativity goes. And, I f- and I'm the most inspired when I'm up walking around the cafe, serving customers, tunes are pumping and it's all happening. That's when my mind's ticking. It's mm. not when I'm sitting in the office pondering or whatever. My mind's ticking, thinking, what could we do? How could we change this? What's happening while I'm up sort of doing the thing that I do? So I actually found that hospitality was this awesome way to be creative but still be with people and kind of work with creative people rather than just being, just sort of doing it on my own um, and collaborate. So 
Yeah. Um, that got me there. So in Canberra, I um, decided I was going to stick with the hospitality industry and, um, and, and have a red hot crack with it. And at the time, I was working with the guys from Honor Coffee, who I'm sure everyone in Canberra knows. And anyone who's into coffee will probably know these guys. Highly, highly passionate people. Um, and great coffee. And great coffee. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was lucky to be with them when they were just one shop and um, in a little, little cafe in, in Marnica in Canberra. And, um, oh, so I'd, they started out of Canberra. Yeah, yeah. So that yeah. second site that's near the airport. Yeah, in Canberra, the, the roastery there, yeah. So that was their um, nearly third. They had a few things happening right. before they got to that point. Right, yeah. okay. So, yeah, Sasha started roasting out of his garage, first of all. Wow. Um, and then just grew it. Yeah. From there. So that was really a backyard hobby. He decided he wanted, he fell in love with just making coffee and decided he wanted to compete and then um, in coffee competitions. And um, he's a very competitive person and um, realized the coffee roasters he was working with wasn't going to help him compete. So he thought, I'm going to roast it myself. Mm. And then it all just flew off from there. So, so when you joined that business, what were you doing? I was barista for them to start while I was at uni. Yeah. And also was working in a bar and I was partying a lot. And I used to rock up on two hours sleep, still drunk, you know, and pump out coffees. And it was all a bit of a laugh and it was a bit of fun. And I'm sure I annoyed the hell out of them. Um, but somehow, um, you know. So you can't pull your hair out now when some of your stuff come in that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I kind of give them advice on how to back up, you know, after a massive night. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and then they were growing and um, I, I moved to Melbourne for a brief period of time and that's where I really learned what proper profession, professional hospitality is about. That's when I really saw, okay, there's like sort of being half, half cut, you know, on a Saturday, Sunday in Canberra, you know, serving coffees and toasties to people and then there's really hospitality. And Melbourne, no one in the world does it better than Melbourne, the culture they have around hospitality. And I realised down there I was just another another cog yeah. in the machine and yeah. um, it wasn't about who I was and my personality. It was about how effectively do I execute my job for their brand, um, which really inspired me and realised, okay, this is something I want to do seriously. Yeah, so I came back to Canberra, finished my degree and I was going straight back down to Melbourne to get cracking in my hospitality career there. And um, yeah, the, guy, the honour guys um, said they were opening up, they were planning to open up a really exciting shop in the city bit of a game changer and they felt like I'd be a good person to run the show and, and asked if I'd stick around and run the show and they'd give me a cut in the business. So wow. I decided to stay and took it. So that one in the city, is that the one that's opposite the AFP or the yeah, law courts yeah, or yeah. something? it's called the cupping room. Yes, yeah. that's the yeah. one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, everyone, anytime I'm in Canberra, there's always a visit to the cupping room. Yeah, yeah. So, so you were an equity holder in that store? Yeah, kind of. I basically earned my share. Um, and yeah, very thankfully, Sasha and Sam and the guys who had money at the time, but particularly Sasha, um, you know, offered me a slot. I had to earn it. Yeah. Um, but it was a pretty good deal. And yeah, I went in and I earned it. Yeah. So, yeah. So how old were you and what was the timeline of you going out 100% on your own here? Yeah. So, I mean, I got my first gear. So that we opened Cupping Room in 2014. I was 22. 23, so young, um, and I moved to Newcastle in 2018. Um, and in the meantime, yeah, I'd sort of worked with Honor. I was part of three cafes, and we'd opened four together in that period between 2014 and 2018. And what brought you to Newcastle? Um, me and my wife were, well, my wife now, my girlfriend at the time, um, we were driving from Canberra to the coast 
at least once a month camping and we just loved the ocean. We just like had a real connection with it and we just thought one day we've got to try and live at the coast. And Cam- the only thing really holding me in Canberra was honour and my career there. Mm. And, yeah, I just got to a point where we had an awesome partnership together and I and this is one piece of advice I think if I can slot it in for other business owners. Yeah, any time you've got any pearls that come yeah. to the top of mind, jam them in. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Um, every partnership has a lifespan and don't be cranky when it's over. Mm. Acknowledge when it's over. See how you can all move forward in your own direction and be grateful for the time and the things that you did together. Um, you know, and so I, we were sort of, yeah, opened a lot of shops and I realised actually, you know, it's all a learning experience and I thought I wanted more, more, more and then I got to a point where actually I wasn't doing hospitality anymore. I was dealing with lawyers and accountants and um, Honor had some pretty big aspirations to grow and um, it was mainly backed off their roasting business and it was going more specialty coffee, more specialty coffee and I'm, I'm a bit more of a hospitality guy than a coffee guy. Mm. I love coffee but I'm more hospitality um, and I just realised that where they wanted to go wasn't quite aligned with where I wanted to go and um, it was probably time to, to yeah, move, make the move, which was really hard call to make and a lot of people were looking at me funny like, what the hell are you doing? You're on a good wicket here, you know, and what are you doing? But, yeah, just sort of took the punt and went, no, it's, time. I've, it's been an awesome relationship. I've learnt so much. We've done a lot together and it's time to sort of go, to go in my own direction. Let's just camp on that for a moment because a lot of us, we know deep down... We call it a gut feeling or whatever, when we need to make a change, you know, it's like, I need to quit this job and do this. And then you think of the, I'm always thinking like everyone draw an imaginary line and then under the line, there's three items. So the very bottom item and then above the line, there's 10 items. Yeah. Often, you know, if we get the below the line core gut feeling stuff nailed, yeah. the top stuff, while it's hard because you've got to, get a job, make some sacrifices, tell your family you're not continuing in this and do yeah, all that. Yeah, yeah. I often think we need to go back to this compass of below the line, deep gut feeling, this is what I need to do yeah. and double down on that core you. Yeah. And almost, and it's a risk profile thing, we can get into risk profiles and yeah. all that, yeah. but there is that learning to take those risks based on the gut core feeling yeah. of who yeah. you are. Yeah, yeah. I think the risk is just staying safe. So I've, I've mentioned to you before the um, before the interview that I'm a Buddhist and that's a massive part of the decisions that I make. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's just, you've got to look at your life and go, well, what do I, I've got probably 80, 90 years here at best. You know, I could go, could go get hit by a car, the Savo. Mm. Um, you don't get to take anything with you. So all the things you're trying to hang on to that you're scared of losing, you're going to lose them anyway. All you've got left is how you feel mm. on the inside. Um, so, you know, it's like, what are your values? What do you want to do with your life? And, um, you know. So, yeah. you said, like, all you've got left is how you feel and on the inside. Realistically, if you go down a bit deeper than that, all you've got left basically is, I think, you know, above the line, below the line, below the line, how you feel, above the line, what, other, what you think other people's opinions are of you. Yeah. And it's actually going, I accept your opinion. Yep. However, I need to do this. Yeah. And then there was something I learned and I've told people before with family members or friends who are vibing against your decision. Yeah. Hi, I'm doing this. I'm not asking for your opinion. Yeah. I'm asking for your support. Yeah, exactly. And just changing that. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, you go to bed at night with you and 
your inner core vibe yeah. and that needs to be 100% aligned to what you're doing. And if that's being affected because of an external thing, tell that external thing, friends, family, I'm just asking for your support. Yeah, exactly. That's all I'm asking for. And I think there's a middle ground. It's not not listening to people and it's not just listening to people. Mm. Um, there's a lot of wisdom in other people's opinions because they get an outside perspective. But it's just about gathering all that data and, and checking it with yourself, you know. Um, mm. I was just having a, bit, having a chat with a friend um, this morning who's also in business, you know, and I was just saying, you know, whenever I'm doing something new, I always check with heaps of people. Always go to the people I trust and who have some real life experience. Totally. And I go, hey, what do you reckon of this? What do you reckon of that? It doesn't mean I necessarily follow what they have to say, but I listen to what they have to say and I see does it fit or doesn't it fit. Yeah, you just survey the ground. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know... Um, oh, thank you. We've got a beautiful coffee. Yeah, what do we got here? We've got a, a Kenyan filter. Awesome. That tastes like green apples and yellow peach. Awesome. I'm going to get in trouble for drinking coffee while I do a podcast because yeah. apparently the acidity or something messes with your voice. But yeah, um, sorry, Nathan. Nasty. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so there's a lot there around risk profiles, stepping out, being aligned with what you want to do. Yeah. So you'd resolved all that stuff and you made the big leap. Oh, it's never fully resolved, <laughs> is it? But I think like what I've learned is that there's no end game. There's no end point. Life's just constant change and it's a constant journey. So you think, what can I learn um, and, and how can I move forward to base where I'm at? I didn't go, righto, I'm leaving Canberra and I'm going to do this and then I'm done. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that's just the next step mm. for me. And who knows where I'm going to be after that step. So I'm just, you know, I'm just about to take the next step now in my career. And um, I didn't know I was going to take this step when I started Tallulah, that's mm. for sure. But I just knew that was the right thing for that time. And um, I think one, again, another little nugget that I suppose I can, I can throw in here is that, you know, you've got to remember how you feel is not whether you're cranky or, or happy or whatever on the day. It's over time, you know. I'm not sitting there going, oh, I had a really shit day. I don't want to do this anymore. It's like it's just, it's just watching over time. So I don't make any big brash decisions. I just sit and watch over time and go, okay, is this working or isn't it working? Could it work like this? You give it a go and actually, no, that didn't make it better. So I'll I, do something else. I or like you're very similar to me and that's probably why I like talking to you about this stuff. But yeah, I kind of just look for trends. Yeah. Yeah. And like, okay, on balance, is this thing working or not? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, if the answer's no, something has to change. Yeah. Yeah. If yeah. something doesn't change, nothing will change. Yeah. Yeah. And how is it contributing to your goals? Just mm. step back. Sometimes we get stuck in the doing of things and we don't just step back and go, what is, what am I achieving here? You know, so. So when you started Tallulah here, did you buy this existing business? Did you get the empty space? Because I'm only new to Newcastle. Yeah. Um, just tell us about that entry point to the Tallulah Cafe Bar. Yeah. So left Canberra, needed a break. Um, I just worked my guts out for years. Uh, grow, 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 grow. Never really had a chance to consolidate everything I learnt. Felt like I was running four shops and I was a bit in over my head. I was at this like CEO level, got 100 employees and I'm 27 or something. And Good experience. Yeah, it was awesome experience, you know. Um, and I was a bit in over my head and I just felt like I wasn't being effective. I was being emotionally reactive. Um, I was dreading certain parts of my job. I wasn't taking leadership. I wasn't feeling comfortable in my leadership and I felt like I've got to just stop, consolidate and just see where to next from here. It's either just stop and take a take one step backwards to take a few step forwards um so I just took a bit of time off I wanted to focus on my Buddhism that was always 
priority number three or four or priority number two to work. Yeah. So I went, right, it's going to be priority number one for a while. Meditated a lot. Surfed a lot. Um, Is, would yeah. you say Buddhism and, you know, everyone listening, I've got a live one in the boat here, like I've never interviewed a Buddhist. And I asked before, like, before we hit record, I'm like, do you go to a temple or... So would you say in terms of Buddhism as your true north guide, spiritual guide or whatever yeah, that yeah. is, would you say I'm in the Buddhist religion or I'm a religious person? Yeah. Like, just give everyone a bit of a... Because we don't often stumble across um, practicing Buddhists. Yeah. And I might even call the episode, I asked a Buddhist about business or something <laughs> yeah. like that. My wife always says, don't ask Jack about Buddhism unless you've got an hour to sit down. Yeah. So let's, well, I'll try and keep it snappy. Please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But um, the, the short answer is Buddhism is very vast. The Buddha was a very pragmatic person. Basically, yeah, Buddhism is about being happy on the inside. And Buddha just had, he discovered where you can find permanent happiness. Um, and he sort of categorize that most of the happiness we experience is impermanent and we ultimately suffer other we suffer from the loss of the conditions of that happiness so we should find some happiness which is unconditioned just a, a state of feeling some people might call it contentness mm. and that's definitely part of it first we want to feel content and stable but then from that content and stability we can actually generate a lot of joy and bliss that doesn't go away and he didn't just say you know this is it anyone who doesn't do it's going to hell and everyone who does do it you know is going to bliss just said, well, if you want to be happy, here's some advice on how to get that lasting permanent happiness. And he advised different types of people in different life situations, different advice. So it's, we describe it like a mountain and there's many different trails to the peak. Mm. It's the same peak, but, um, you know, one trail needs one map and another trail needs another map. So um, for our style of Buddhism, um, which is said to be the fastest way to enlightenment, you can do it in one lifetime. Um, one little crash course. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it takes a, a certain state of mind, but yeah. a lot of self-belief and self-confidence that yeah. you couldn't, you can actually experience this state of Buddhahood yourself. Um, and then in that sense, yeah, it's something that it's not about anything. It's not about temples or robes or anything. It's about changing your state of mind. It's about changing the way you experience your life. Question, and you can tell me to get stuffed or anything. No, go. Yeah. Is there a, a pinch of... Buddhism being a bit selfish. <laughs> yes, you could. I can definitely see how you um, Cause it, propose yeah, that. Like, because it's like it's about me being happy. Me, 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 me. Yeah. Like, I don't know. No, it's not really about me. It's just that why you're a me, you're not really that useful to anyone. It's like you can go to Africa and feed the children, but then they don't have any food tomorrow. So Buddhism compassion is. And that's not saying, not discounting that. That's a good thing to do. Mm. But it's not going to create any lasting good situations for anyone. So we sort of say, if you want to be a little bit generous, give someone food and shelter. No, if you want to help someone for a day, give them food and shelter. If you want to help them for a lifetime, give them an education. And if you want to help them for many lifetimes, give them the Buddha's teachings. Right. So it's about looking what's really useful for, to people and, and understanding the difference between compassion and being nice. Mm. Um, someone who's very nice will see someone in a hole and jump in with them and then they're no use to anyone. So we always say, what's the most use for the most amount of beings for the longest period of time? And um, so hanging ourselves on the cross or whatever, sorry if there's any Christians out there, and I think, you know, Jesus is a fantastic person, um, but hanging yourself on the cross isn't 
necessarily that useful. Obviously, he's inspired a lot of people, but he only got to teach for four years, I think, mm. and then he was done. Um, so we've only got that little snippet. The Buddha got to teach for 40 years, mm. so he got to go a lot deeper and do a lot more with his students, and he has now 80,000 teachings which have lasted 2,500 years. So um, so is there, like, is there a Buddha book? <laughs> There's lots because you're going to 84,000 teachings. It's like trying to get through the Bible. Like, yeah. You've got to focus on one bit. So it's about picking one bit and mastering that. Yeah. Um, that fits for you. But it, in the sense, it's not selfish. It's just that um, if you really want to be useful for people, you need to be solid yourself. If you're not solid yourself, you can't help anyone. Mm. You know, you need to be the rock. You want to be the person who's that rock when someone, something's going really difficult for someone. Yeah. And if you're not emotionally stable yourself and you don't have perspective and you don't have a good state of mind, then you can't help them really. Mm. You're just another, you know, confused person yeah. really. So first we get clarity ourselves and then we share that clarity with others. Yeah. yeah. Well, your wife was 100% correct. Um, <laughs> so yeah, but all that to yeah. say that kind of guides your life yeah. and, yeah. you know, the business and whatnot. Now, back to the cricket. Yes. Yeah, just talk to me practically about this current business. Did you... Um, yeah. Buy it, was it empty and all that stuff? So I got really lucky. Right. Um, I, yeah, taken, so took a year off, meditated, surfed. And then I was also working as a brand strategist for a little while as well, which was really cool to just get apply a bit of my marketing skills and a lot of what I learned from business about how to... And did you cash out of honor? Yeah, I yep. did. Yeah, it took some time, yep. you know, six to 12 months. I think, you know, there was three businesses that I was part of. So I was sort of slowly selling out of them at different times. And there's also has to be someone to buy it at the right totally. price and all those yeah. sorts of things. Um, and also the right cultural fit for them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, we stayed on really good terms, you know, and we have a fantastic relationship now. So I'm really proud of the way I left and we're still really be we're best friends and I can look back on that time really fondly um, and, and reminisce with them rather than it going sour because I was trying to, you know, trying to score an extra 10 grand or whatever or, you know, so try to keep the big picture there too. Um, and then, yeah, I was looking, I decided, all right, I need to get back into hospitality. I need to do my own business. I'm a horrible employee for this poor girl who runs a brand strategy business. Lots of good <laughs> ideas. Can't write an email, <laughs> you know. Yeah I'm, yeah, I'm I'm happy and content on the inside that I'm useless <laughs> <laughs> working with everyone else. Um, so um, I was like, all right, got to do my own thing again. I just was getting a bit flat. I was getting really flat actually. And I was yeah. like, okay, time to spice things up a bit. So, um, yeah, started looking around, chatting to brokers, looking for things, and then I actually... So, you moved to Newcastle to do your Eat, Pray, Love year of surfing and yeah, meditating? Yeah. Yep. And then you were like, I want to find somewhere in Newcastle. Yeah, yeah. And we knew we were going to be here for a long long term. I think we'll be here for life. Yep. Um, so, yeah. And then I actually took on the manager job at Tallulah um, while I was looking for the thing because I just needed to get out of the brand strategy stuff and just get in that world a bit. And then before I even started, it turned out the owner um, was a legend. We really connected and he was like, I'm actually thinking about selling and I didn't expect to even find a manager like of your caliber and, mm -hmm. da, da, da. and, and I was, and he told me, he's like, I'm actually selling. So like, I just wanted to let you know straight up. And I was like, well, if you Keep haven't done talking. a deal yet, yeah. can I buy it? Yeah. But like I was, you know, as an outsider, I was like, Tool is an institution, um, you know, and it just needed a bit, probably just needed a bit of refreshing. And um, I was like, oh, can I buy it? So I just felt like being an out-of-towner to be able to come in to somewhere, you know, a small town like Newcastle and be able to take on an, an existing institution. Whereas if I started myself, I don't even have networks to, mm -hmm. you know, to draw on. So um, I couldn't believe my luck. We were supposed to hand over in March of 2020 and then COVID hit two weeks mm -hmm. before we settled. 
lucky for me, a little bit unlucky for the existing owner. We worked through COVID together and then, yeah, ended up buying it off him um, towards the end of the first lockdown in 2020. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, and it's, it's amazing. Like, And there's probably a bit in that. Like, when you're going into an existing business in a town, you've got to, on one hand, keep the status quo, but on the other hand, reinvent. And, you know, my friends who you've met, you know, Glee Coffee, they've yeah. been locals in Newcastle for a million years and all that. When I came here with, with Chris, I think, or for my Christmas party here, because yeah, yeah. Jack hired the venue for us, there was this vibe because the Tallulah had been around for some time, there was a vibe that it had, quote unquote, gone a bit downhill. Yeah, yeah. And then when they came back in, it was like, oh, this is awesome. Like, yeah, yeah. So a lot of locals like didn't know that it was actually new owners yeah, or, yeah. you know, new vibe. and yeah. So it's a challenge. Oh, yeah, it is a challenge. I've been so lucky. I feel so networked now. I feel part of the fabric of Newcastle now and I really back myself to do what I do. Um, I played it really cautious in the beginning. Win over the locals, not change it up too much, just make it in, in quote, unquote, my terms, good yep. um, and, um, and see where it went. And I've just been slowly backing myself. Um, I was really nervous about changing the decor and stuff because um, it was kind of cool and... And then I went, oh, it's, I don't think I can authentically own the style that they had because it was so unique to the old owner. Mm. So I just went, no, nah, I've just got to do my thing. But having already been here for a year or whatever, I backed myself to sort of bring it into my vibe. And, and yeah, it's been doing really well. Yeah, sweet. We're going to take a quick break. And then when we come back, we're just going to get into down and dirty practical stuff. So we'll be back right after this. If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Right, yeah, we're back. Rapid fire things first, and then we'll get into some deep things. Because a lot of people were wondering about buying businesses. Yes. What structure did you use? Did you set up a company? Was it a trust? How did you do that? Yep, I've got a trust. Yep. I set up a company and I bought it with the company. Yep, so the Um, the trust owns the shares in the company and the operating company is... um, Tallulah Cafe, proprietary limit. I was lucky to get that one. Yep. And, um, And my wife is the director of the trust and yep. I'm the director of the, the company. The operating company. Yeah, yeah. so yep. just sort of the 
split it up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. And just for those playing at home, when you buy an existing business, you don't want to buy the shares of the existing company. No. Why is that? Um, because then you inherit their liabilities. Um, skeletons in the closet. Skeletons in the closet. A yep. clean start is always better. And you just know you're coming in with a fresh start um, and you want that degree of separation. Obviously, risk management, you just got to make sure that you just think, okay, worst case scenario, how's this going to pan out? Mm. Yeah, I strong, you know, I'm a massive advocate for do what you're good at and let others do what they're good at. So I let my accountants and my financial advisors and stuff help me with that stuff. And my lawyers, I don't, I don't pretend to, I, I have my head across it. I understand mm. it, but um, I seek their advice and I would, yeah. Buying yep. any business. Yeah, and yeah. I, was, I was about to say, gosh, you've got some advice because a lot of people just set up a company and own the shares directly yep. um, and there's a whole heap of liability things and um, tax issues that we won't get into now. Um, but yeah, you've just got to get advice. Yeah. Um, now, did you bankroll it yourself or use external funding? I bankrolled it myself. Yep. Um, I used the money that I'd sort of sold out from Canberra. At the time, I was taking a very low risk approach. I was loving my lifestyle and I was like coming into it. I'm like, I'm not going to, my big thing is like, I'm not going to be a slave to my business. I'm not going to go into business and be a slave. And that's the norm for hospitality. Everyone's like, oh, buying a cafe, mate, you're, you know, you're tough. Like mm-hmm. you're brave, like pretty tough hours and pretty shit conditions. And, you know, it's not much money in it. And I'm like, no, nah, I refuse to do that. Mm. It's like, it should it should make the finance, the money that I want it to make. And I should be able to enjoy the lifestyle I want to mm. enjoy. Um, and if I if it doesn't, why would I do it? So at the time, coming back to the question, um, I just was I just thought, do you know what? I want the sleep at night factor, mm. and I don't want debts hanging on my head. Particularly over COVID, I had no idea what was going to happen. So I thought, so I just put the cash down. I got I was very lucky to buy it. First of all, yeah, as your friends had alluded, probably got the business at its its worst, at its rock bottom. And, and then, that's probably and then COVID sort of pushed it to rock, rock bottom where I managed to get it at a, at a good price. Yeah. And um, yeah, so I just knew no debts, no liabilities at worst. You know, I'm in here myself doing my thing, um, but I don't have anything, any bills to pay, you know, any mm. liabilities yeah, or anything. Yeah. But if I was to do another business now in the situation I'm in with the foundation I've got now, I'll be loaning as much as I can for that business yep. because obviously I want that money. I want that cash in my private life. Um, because, you know, I want that, for example, I want that money to sit on my mortgage because mm. the mortgage is, is after-tax income that you're paying interest on, whereas the b- business loan is pre-tax income that you're paying. the. So even if the interest rate's more, it's still dollar figure at the end of the day better to be paying interest through the business than it is In after you've already paid tax, yeah. income tax. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's move to HR. Yes. What are the biggest things as a small business owner that you've learned that you'd want to tell other people around HR? Because we can't do anything in life without people and working with people. Yeah. My thing is um, brand and people and leadership. I definitely say that's where my sort of, I'm, I'm inspired and that's where I think I've got something to sort of, to say there. So everyone's different, right? We see, I think, um, and it's, I think this is good because this, I suppose, is a millennial podcast, right? And I'd say- hey, We've got a lot of ages though. A lot of ages, yeah. And I suppose um, the old adage in business is that somehow you need to be ruthless and somehow it's a competition that you need to accrue as much money as you possibly can. And the only way you can do that is by distributing as little as you possibly can. And it becomes a very difficult situation because you're in constant um, sort of fighting others for mm. money and you want people to work as much as they can for as little as possible and you want to pay your suppliers as little as possible so you can keep as much as you can for yourself. But that's a very challenging way to do business mm. in my mind and it's not a way I want to live my life. So I just try and think of people as human beings. I've been an employee before and I think 
what would I, how would, you know, at this age or stage of life or, or, or um, circumstance, you know, what would inspire me? You know, what would, um, what would be a good deal for me in that situation? I try and see how I can make that work. And I always try and find a middle ground in all my business dealing, suppliers, employees, business partners, everything. I always look, where's the win-win? Because um, that's when you can move forwards is when you've got win-wins. If you've got a win-lose situation, then it's not very sustainable. So, Are you reading between the lines, you know, hospitality award, are you yeah. saying you're paying your staff above the award or are you just providing other, I guess, quote-unquote employee benefits that would make them feel like there's no other cafe that they would want to run to? No. Win-win doesn't necessarily mean paying more. Yeah. Um, it's just a fair agreement, you know, and the business only has certain resources. So, you know, the, the challenge of hospitality is it's a very labour-intensive model and that's why we're seeing a lot of hospitality move to very low labour-intensive. Table services dying, you know, products are getting more expensive and um, there's a lot of automation because people, particularly in Australia, cost a lot, uh, which is fantastic because we have such a great quality of life here. But people cost a lot and, yeah, so I don't pay above award, I pay the award but I put value in uh, and it just depends on who it is. I, I place priority on the people who bring the bo- most value to my business and that's mm. my core team. For example, my head chef, he gets above award yep. and he gets a bonus and he gets incentives for hitting um, his target. So, you know, KPIs and stuff like that. Whereas a casual employee who's at uni doing 20 hours a week, well, it's just a fair exchange. You know, they come in, they work for a certain amount of hours, they do a set job and they get a set amount. And I guess the yeah, the difference is head chef, his or her career, yeah. where someone at uni, it's a J-O-B. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And But what I try to provide is a fulfilling and fun work environment um, that they can actually, because I know myself that it's not all money. I actually like to enjoy mm. my job. Like when I was doing brand strategy, you know, I was like, oh, what a wicket, you know, working four days a week, getting X amount every week, got my weekends, you know, compared to hospitality, it's a bit of a different gig being in the office, not mm. physically too difficult, but I was bored as hell, you know. Yeah. So I like people, you know, I try. I promise to provide an environment where people um, can learn skills, can feel fulfilled, can actually enjoy their job. And I always encourage them, if you don't enjoy it, don't do it, go do something else. What's one thing you'd say to any business owner uh, in any industry to look at if they want to maybe tweak the bottom line? Mm. Well, the easiest way is is you start with the bottom line and then you see what you need to tweak to get there. Yeah. And that's what I do now is I go, okay. So you do run a bit of a bottom-up yep. type budget? bottom-up budget. Because I'd love to put more staff on. I'd love to pay them more. Um, but I can't if I'm going to hit, you know, if I'm going to make this a sustainable business. So there's just business realities. Um, so I now, I start with the bottom line. In this business, I need to make X amount of profit and then I go and look at the numbers. What um, what do the numbers need to be to hit that? And that's where you get creative, right? You can be creative with numbers. So I've, and you can look at your specific business. So here, because we're a table service cafe where, you know, we're on the more expensive side in terms of cafes where, so I've positioned ourselves as one of the sort of top end cafes in town. I'm not trying to compete with the kiosk around the corner or whatever because they're not doing table service. So I allow my wages to be a bit on the higher side, but I push really hard on my cost of goods. Mm. So I'm, I'm brutal on cost of goods and it just like portioning, um, you know, I need that to hit that one, you know, and I still have my wage target, mm. but it's one I have a bit less maneuverability in. I also, you know, things like, you know, I was paying contract cleaners here and I realized actually, you know, 
something probably the staff can just do at the end of the shift. So that's something that, you know, I just you make those calls and it's mm. not ideal. I'd love to just not have the staff do it. But How many full-time or permanent staff do you have rather? Yeah, so hospitality is a casual industry. Chefs right. are more full-time. Chef, it's a funny industry because chefs are career yeah, people. Yeah. And then front of house people are typically uni students, yeah. you know, uni jobs. Um, Whereas we uh, learn from Yanni, he's obviously yeah. traveling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But work work say, visa? Uh, yeah. What's his visa status? Um, good question. Yeah. He's, uh, he's on his COVID visa right now. Right. Um, I might sponsor him. I was going to say, because, you know, he is someone, and I mean, their whole team is really good. Yeah. But like, just owns hospitality. <laughs> it is and so he, good as long it. as he's, and you know, the nature of someone like that, they might not want to call Newcastle home for 50 years. Yeah. But it's like, you've got to do whatever you can, as yeah. long as he's in Newcastle, yeah. to hang on to him. Oh, bloody oath. And he, like, he could be a career hospitality person. And that's someone I look at and go, okay, here's someone who's got some longevity in the industry, adds a lot. And, you know, and he might get a shot similar to what I got in Canberra to get him mm. kicked off. You know, he's someone I might go, hey, here's, here's a spot in the business, you know, earn it yeah. sort of thing, you know, which will be a win-win. Because, the, you know, down in Newcastle, there's another... It's a, almost an institution in Newcastle, Goldberg. Yeah. I think there's a dude there. He's a little bit older. Yeah. And I think he's been there for a million years. <laughs> and he isn't an owner. Yeah. So, you know, it, it is possible to have people that want to be just full-time in hospitality. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And that's why, that's why, sorry, everyone, the cost of your coffee has got to go up. Yeah. Because, you know, if we want this to be a professional industry, we've already got a world-class industry in Australia. But if we want to keep it... Um, it's always hanging on a knife's edge. If we want to keep it, we need to make sure that it's a sustainable business. And um, that's why you've seen a lot of prices going up. Yes, COVID and inflation is part of it, but it's more the excuse. COVID's mm. been the excuse for prices to go up because um, it wasn't sustainable for t- chatting to the guys in Canberra who have a lot of businesses, a lot of other hospitality business owners. It's like, hang on a second. We need to start charging what we need to charge for what we actually do. You mm. can't pay the same amount for a really good coffee here as you did for a really shit coffee around the corner. <laughs> in relation to, and I've had this conversation um, with my friends at Glee Coffee for, you know, a million years. The problem in the coffee world at the moment, you know, you talked 2010s, yeah, early 2010s, yeah. the whole thing, and, you know, the Glee boys had the same thing. Like, specialty coffee was... A thing, it was really nice. There was more of a difference. But the whole industry that particularly one part of the hospitality industry, coffee, yeah. the bar is listed, lifted everywhere. Yeah, yeah. So now the I can get a decent coffee yeah. most places. Yeah. And most people are okay with decent coffee. Exactly. Yeah. And as long as I'm thinking when I drink a coffee that isn't terrible. Yeah. It's a good coffee. So the good think, bar think, has risen. I think everyone does a subconscious cost value analysis every time they do something. And how much did it cost me and what value did I get out of it? But mm. that's not unique to coffee. Mm. Um, I'd say, first of all, there's a lot of people who still do really well out of the industry. I mean, fast food is hospitality. I mean, there's a lot, you know, I've done well. I'd say I've, you know, I've done quite well in the industry. So it's, um, I think some people, sometimes it is, it's an excuse for your inability to adapt. Mm. Um, I mean, look at Apple. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, they were so different. Now mm. everyone's catching up. They have to adapt. Well, there's, and, you know, I'd say they're struggling to adapt. Well, now well. I'm not running out and getting the new iPhone every year now because, we're again, we're at that coffee line. Yeah. Everything's at this critical mass. It's good enough. Yeah. It's good enough. What's next? So on the um, 
in terms of the business structure, you've got a liquor license here. Yeah. Now, talk to us about them because I thought they're very valuable. Uh, pub licenses are really valuable. Okay. So, yeah. t- just what's the difference? Uh, I'm not an expert on it. Yeah. But I just know in New South Wales, pub licenses are really difficult to get and particularly... Um, surprise, surprise, there's a lot of money in poker machines. Really? So to have the license for poker machines is phenomenally expensive and mm. that's why pubs are selling for phenomenal amounts of money and that's why all the billionaire hospitality people own pubs. Mm. So with your liquor license, is there an annual fee that you have yeah, to pay? Yeah, actually a lot cheaper than Canberra. I think Canberra was like five grand a year, something like yeah, that. Yeah, so it's not crazy. No, nah, but in New South, I pay 500 bucks a year. Yeah, okay. License. Yeah. And so on that, and I don't drink, so I don't pay attention to this crap. But like when, you know, 1 p.m. lunch hits, would you not tell the team to offer people, well, do you want a cold beer with your meal or, you could. or do you do that? You could. Talk I've to tried. Us about- it doesn't seem to be in the Australian culture right now to right. really sort of boozy brunches. It seems to have gone. I think as a whole, people consume less alcohol these days. And um, it's something I've tried in the past and it doesn't work. So I've just learned you just got to do what you're good at mm. because you're putting all this effort into trying to make an extra 500 bucks a week in, our, in wine when you could have just focused on something else and made an extra five grand a week. Do you know yeah. what I mean? So you just got to weigh up. And that's what I've learned more and more. It's just about more and more specializing, focusing mm. on what you're good at and um, rather than trying to flog dead horses. Yeah, so I, for those who are interested in starting a business or you may have a business like... I know when I was in financial planning, yeah. there's no point on the side of the road have a sign, financial planning, self-managed super funds, yeah. life insurance, yeah. investing. That's Everyone does that. I yeah. can get that on every corner. Yeah. When I did my rebrand, it was about, you know, we basically provide you with a sound financial future. That, yeah. Like that's what I was doing. Yeah. I wasn't providing because I can get coffee anywhere. What's the core benefit? Yeah. yeah. So... In your industry, I would like to think I float around the odd cafe and yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. So I'm out there. When I recommend Tallulah or your business, it's not that the coffee's good. It's not that the food's great. It's this almost thing that I can't explain that yeah. you're not getting a bad experience. Yeah. And I think with hospitality now, like I went to a cafe around the corner the yeah. other day, horrendous experience. Yeah. I'm not going back. Yeah. And I don't care how good the coffee is. Yeah. Like the good stuff is hygiene. Yeah. The core business in everyone's business needs to be hygiene. Yeah. When you listen to a My Millennial Money podcast, if someone asks about, oh, Glenn, should I pay off my debt or invest for the future? Me being able to answer that is hygiene. Yeah. It's the, okay, what are the other things? Well, I might, I might make it fun. Yeah. I might make it a bit relevant. Yeah. I might call things as they are. Yeah. So what would you say your shtick is for the B2C going out there? Oh, it's a good question. I'm always refining it, but I was actually anticipating what you were going to say there when you were talking about what you experience when you're at Tallulah because that's amazing sort of piece of information for me, right? Because I want to know what my customers experience. And I was just, again, talking to my other business friend about it this morning is like, it's so hard for you inside your business to have any perspective about the customer experience. You just, you're too stuck in the web of it. You don't, you're too... You're too biased. You too, you know all the nuts and bolts, and you just don't. You can never experience what their customer experiences in your own business. Mm. So that's always the hardest thing, right? But I'm glad you said what you said because that's exactly what our values are. So I've gone back to our values, and I've actually got. You know, I'm sure anyone listening to the podcast knows who Simon Sinek is, and done the the start with a why, and that's exactly what we do here. So we've got a what, how, why concentric circles, and all my employees see that when they start awesome. our business. 
Um, our why is that happiness is infectious and that's, a, that's aligned with my Buddhist values and that's the reason I do what I do is because I think I've got something on the inside to share and hospitality is my vessel that I can sort of share that with people. And how do we do that? Well, I want to work with people who also have something to offer. I don't want to work with people who are walking around depressed or have anxiety or anything like that. It doesn't offer anything, you know. Um, so, but that's also, you know, it's not discounting that there are legitimate medical concerns or whatever, yeah, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's all about we need to leave our stuff at the door and while yeah. we're here, yeah. we are this. But some people can't and yeah. it's not that they don't have a place. It's just the hospitality is probably a fast-paced moving parts, people-focused thing, and it doesn't fit the brand and you're allowed to be discriminating in who fits your brand and who doesn't fit your brand. So you've got to pick the right people. How dare you say that? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, I mean, that's one thing that just having the wrong people is the thing that just holds you back the most. But any business, you put the wrong person in the wrong position. Yeah you are screwed yeah, and it's does. not doing that person yeah. any favours anyway. I think there's a fellow business owner in the cafe right now who I'll attribute to Nerida, who's a relationship coach now, used to own a gym okay. and she told me, hire slow and fire fast and yeah. I really hold on to that now mm. because there's nothing worse for your business than someone who is toxic to the culture or is not capable to deliver your brand. I'll send you out on boarding kit um, yeah. just to show another business owner what yeah. we're doing and, you know, I've just hired three new people. Yeah. And for me, and Rach interviewed one of them, I interviewed another one. And then when I'm, you know, personally hiring, I'll always get a second vibe from JP and the team or something like that. But the whole thing was, I care more about the values and the alignment than how good anyone is at their task. Like, I actually don't care. Yeah, and it's a a constant, you've got to keep reminding yourself Mm. because it's easier to work with people who don't have an opinion and are good at following rules and just do what you want them to do. But then you never grow because they never do more than what you want them to do. So you need people. I've learned actually I need to work with people who actually have some opinions, have, mm. have you know, who are difficult to manage. And I think that's actually, I always tell managers when I take them on in the cafes and stuff, it's easy to manage people who have no self-confidence and just do what they're told. It's hard to manage people actually add value to your business because they have an opinion, they, they care and they're going to disagree with you. Mm. So, yeah. I want to pick up just on your comments about knowing what the customer wants and what they value. Mm. When I had my old business, financial planning, every year I did a an anonymous survey. Yeah. We actually employed a third-party company called Core Data yeah, to yeah. survey our clients. Yeah. And even with the My Millennial Money listeners here, we do an annual census every year. Yeah. And we ask for feedback and kind of back to a comment I said earlier – like if one person says, Glenn, you suck, sure. If there's a trend of everyone saying, Glenn, you suck, well, yeah. it's probably a problem. Yeah. So we look for trends. Yeah. But I just want to um, read something that someone in the Facebook group said yeah. just an hour ago um, because just for you, Jack, our Spotify podcast, we're actually not continuing uh, with it being Spotify exclusive. Yeah. Okay. And we're going to open it up to the Apple Fantastic. platform and all yeah. that. Anyway, Rajan, he said basically this, and I'll just jump into what he said. Definitely make sure it's financially feasible because people were saying like, oh, can you get new hosts and do fresh content? And for a daily show, as a business owner, I'm like, I can't put the same energy behind 
something that might not be as profitable yeah. if I put that same energy to a proven thing that is profitable. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. this is double ding down on our strengths type yeah. stuff. He said, make sure it's financially feasible just as much sustainable where a host is concerned for any new content not chopped up should be at the very least driving people towards your other offerings and ideally creating enough of an audience to be self-sustaining via ads and sponsorships. Amen, brother. What a fantastic comment. And he said this, and this is really cool. On a side note, I love how you involve the community in your decisions for the business. That direct feedback from where the tires hit the road is invaluable and most business owners are too driven by their own vision and lack of humility to care about their most important asset, yeah. the end customer. Also, your ability to stop something if it's not working is admirable. Yeah. I came for the info, I linger for the banter, I'm staying for the community. And basically, I just said, thanks, mate. The minute I stop pulse checking things with the community yeah. and not being agile... Um, is the minute we die. Yeah. I couldn't create what we have from scratch again, so it's very valuable to yeah, me. Yeah. So all that to say... There's a lot in there. <laughs> yeah, all that to say, would you ever consider, and it's easy to get bad feedback than good feedback, yeah, yeah. putting, you know, tell me I'm an idiot and all that. Yeah. Putting for the month of June, we put a QR code on every table. Yeah. Tell us what you think, good or bad. That's actually a really good idea. Let's just post like, yeah, yeah. if you're, re and what you could actually do in the type form, whatever the job form, yeah. hey, thanks for filling out. Would you say you're a regular or not? Yeah. If they hit no, there's maybe some questions. Yeah. What did you like today? Would you come back if you were thinking about it again? Yeah. yeah. Any other comments and yeah. all that. If they say, yes, I'm a regular, how often are you here? Yeah. What do you mainly like to order? What could we be doing better? What could we be doing worse? And then when you filter that out in the background, we know that if the non-regulars, there's a trend of stuff, oh crap, the non-regulars, they're saying it's too culty and I don't feel welcome, whatever. Yeah. And then we can dial down, okay, the regulars, because realistically, to a point, you've got to look after that core 20% yeah, totally. of any business. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. Like, yeah, I agree. I do agree with you. I'd just I'd make some comments. On and this that is just and a us few other nuggets, workshopping yeah, a few general other, concepts. Yeah, a few other nuggets that I'd throw in there in terms of how I approach research. Um, first of all, I say we should be our own worst critics. Yep. Like for me in hospitality, if we don't think something's up to scratch, why did we serve it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so first of all, we should be our own worst critics, and I've definitely found in this industry because. I would say, you know, I've been doing it for longer than 10 years now, so I can say I'm probably an expert at it. Not that I don't have anything to learn, um, always stuff to learn, but, um, you know, you know, you get to know what people, there's some, you know, timeless universal truths, you know, of what's good hospitality and what's not bad hospitality. And it's the same in any business. So first of all, we should be our own worst critics and we should be driving ourselves. We shouldn't be waiting for our customers to tell us what we're doing wrong. We should be analysing ourselves and constantly trying to improve and adapting as a business. Um, but there are some seconds, business... Yes. Oh, sorry, there are some business owners that might be listening that might not be self-aware enough to know. Yeah. Well, then, yeah, survey them. Yeah, talk to your staff. Yeah. Find out what your staff think about what you do. They're the best. Yeah. Whenever we drop a dish or I hire a new staff member, I check with all the staff. I check with the team and say, hey, guys, what did you reckon? What do you think? Mm. You know, and I find and I ask certain people certain questions like, you know, I've got a girl who's really into her health and well-being and I ask her, you know, like with some of the healthy dishes, like what do you reckon? You know, da, da, da. and then other people who, you know, Love their coffee, you know, mm. but I wouldn't ask her about the coffee because she doesn't really quite have the power. Sure. She's not a coffee person, so she's yeah. not the person we're going for. And then the other thing I'll just throw in yeah, there yeah. is that 
what an old business owner taught me, uh, another person I got a nugget off. He said, people vote with their feet. And it's good to remember that if people like something, they're going to come back. And if they don't like it, they're not going to come back. If you're getting busier, you're probably doing something right. Not that a survey won't help. And I actually think it's good to check in every now and then. But it's good not to use that as your only source of... And that's why you've always just got to look for trends. Yeah. And that's all we do. Like, we can't survey our community. And if someone says something that might hurt my feelings or another host's feeling, if it's a one-off thing, you actually have to ignore it. It's like when you're um, doing a survey, you know, what's everyone's income? All right, we're going to delete this... middle one or the, the lowest and we're going to delete the highest because yeah, that's yeah. the outliers yeah, yeah, yeah. we need. so. But also in our, uh, I used to do, with the brand strategy, we did a lot of research. Yep. Um, and the biggest thing we used to tell companies is you have to interpret the data. Yes. Like, and you have to apply the data to your business and you still have to think about how does this apply to our values and how does this apply to our vision and where we're trying to get and our core customers. For example, we did work for the Newcastle Airport mm. and they did our customer surveys and they surprise, surprise, the most important thing for their customers was cheaper flights. So they're like, oh, we're going to get cheaper flights and da da You can't. You it's can't. out of their control yeah, anyway. You, you're going to be, you know, so they're focusing on being the cheapest. Yeah. But you can't be the cheapest. So you're actually, you're actually diluting your brand. So you have to go, okay, that's what people want. We can't give that. What can we give them? Mm. That's really important. Actually, you know, what we advise them to do is become a bespoke airport provide a unique experience that you want to go to newcastle airport instead of getting on the train and going to sydney and it's worth mm. the extra 100 bucks totally so sometimes the data doesn't always give you the answer and it's it's that balance of not fixing things that aren't broken mm. yeah. and i'm actually thinking of this lately and i don't know if you're listening and you are in this type of industry if you are in a media pseudo media type industry I'm considering maybe getting someone in external to me and just open the hood of everything I'm doing in the business and be like, what ways could you see that I could optimize? And, you know, I am a little bit self-aware, so I kind of do this myself. Like at the end of last year, for example, I got rid of the, uh, the business podcast because if you're listening to this and you're a business owner, there's just not enough of you like in Australia to really get the scale that we need. So I kind of thought I'm not really in the business one. I might just do an ad hoc business episode like this on the main channel. Yeah. I got rid of the health podcast, the Gen Z money podcast. I had another podcast that was a B2B for financial advisors that I was involved with. So I got rid of four things that we were doing that we were putting all this effort into, but there was no profit where there's more profit, just put the same amount of effort into just doing a streamlined one business episode as a bonus. Yeah. So it's just these constant, like you said, like there's no destination. No. It's just always moving and evolving. And one of our values as a team is to be always prepared, always agile. Yeah. So if we need to move something and have agility, you've got to have that. But but you've got to back yourself because, and this is the golden triangle I I alluded to earlier when you're thinking is this is in the branch rate has to be unique authentic and relevant. So all the customer feedback stuff we're talking about, that that refers to the relevance. Is is what you're doing relevant to your market? It's extremely important. There's no point me doing $100 degustation breakfasts if it's not relevant to what people want to have. Mm. But it's still going to be unique in the market. So it's what am I doing different to my competitors? And that uniqueness could be just being the cheapest. That mm. doesn't doesn't have to be like a specialty thing. Yeah. And then the authenticity, is it true to you and and what you bring to the industry? Because 
if you're doing a business, you have some edge in your industry that you're working in mm. for sure. Um, so for example, you know, just to align it simplified in the cafes, you know, my customers are always bugging me to do dinners. They used to do dinners at Tallulah. It was really popular and I'm always getting bugged to do dinners. Um, so that's, that's something that's relevant to the market. I could probably do something that is unique in the market because it's like our fresco cafe style, like beautiful venue, awesome evening, but it's not authentic. It's not what I want to do. Mm. It doesn't, it's not going to drive me forwards because it doesn't suit my goals, mm. you know? Um, so they're, they're the sort of decisions that we can work through. Yeah. Just <laughs> randomly, it was probably a bit out of context because I just remembered it from before. So the head chef position. Yeah. Does the head chef have autonomy to hire and fire within that or does it still come through you as a little bit? Yeah, it's team effort. It's still a small business. Yeah. Um, you know, and this and that's is the where dance, I, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And this is where I, I give people freedom but I only give freedom to people who I trust. Mm. So they've got to well, show... trustworthy people are worthy of trust. Exactly. And, and they show that through how they behave. So I, I trust my head chef and I'm trusting... He's only, I've only been with him for six months, but... Mm. I've learned now, like the last menu we did, I was really involved in. This next menu is heaps better and I've got nothing to do with it. So, but that was only through the trust that I've seen the proof points that he can deliver the style of food that I want that suits our brand uh, and he can do it better than I can, you know, so. Yeah, I'm just thinking like, because it's all about that, you know, looking after your core yeah. regulars. Like, would you ever see a, a regular... I don't know, you could probably picture 20 regulars that you yeah. say you're 50, right? Yeah. Could you even, just anecdotally, over the next three months, yeah. every regular that you see say, hey, if you've got time one day, can you drop in coffee and yeah. lunch on me? Yeah. And I just want to chat and get your vibe of when you, yeah. why do you come here every day? Yeah, it's a really good idea. And I, I suppose I do do it very informally. I think, yeah. As you see, when you come, when I, when you come in, I'm just going sort of You're from floating. table to floating yeah. and chatting, but yeah. I don't, don't do it in such a formal way. And, probably, and it might not need to be. And I, I do it as re- more, it's probably more relationship building, mm. um, which I, and I don't do it in a, in an inauthentic way. I actually just, that's my favorite part of what I do is coming in and just yeah. getting, chatting to everyone. It's awesome. And knowing what's happening in their lives and making that feeling of belongingness. Yeah. Um, here, um, but yeah, I probably do need to do something more formal. Um, and definitely, as I grow, I'll need you know doing other venues and things. I'll need to be more on top of that customer experience. So, yeah, yeah. So you you say more venues and whatnot. Like at the moment, without giving away any of your state secrets, like what's next for you as a business owner? I've got another cafe coming this year. Right. Yeah. And is that locked in or is it still next couple of weeks will be locked sure in. Yeah, yeah yeah which i was planning i had a baby two months ago so i don't yeah. know why i'm doing a business right now but um yeah i'm hungry for the next thing i feel like i've built the foundation here um and i've realized yeah just for my goals next step is to do another venue um i'm not for me i'm never gonna go franchisey 10 venues i'm not here to conquer the world and is it going to be but yeah you know tulula east or is it a nah. different name no nah, it's going to be its own label. brand yeah, yeah. people yeah. will know yeah um that it's that it's us doing it they'll be yeah. oh yeah this is the tulula guys and they've yeah. done this other thing and it's like equally cool yeah um in its own way um but yeah so it's not franchise it's still going to be unique and was yeah. that on the basis of you wanting a more or another challenge was it i can possibly get some scale on the uh, wholesale supply side? Yeah. Um, I try not to be too stiff and I try and see where things flow yeah. in a way. So I've had all possibilities open. I've 
consider, I mean, you know, especially being in hospitality, sometimes I look at people doing other businesses, like, you know, in the finance industry, it's like, you know, you're like, oh God, I should have done finance, you know, like Mm. they're all like, you know, killing it or whatever, but you know, I'm doing what I love and what I enjoy and it doesn't necessarily have to be the most, most lucrative thing there is out there. But, um, for me, I just realized, especially becoming a dad a few years ago, I realized I don't have the energy to be front of house all the time, even though I love it. So when I bought Tallulah, I was like, I'm just going to do one thing. It's just going to, I'm going to surf, do that, make good money, have a, do my Buddhism thing. Mm. Um, and, you know, and just keep it simple and not have to deal with people, you know, staff and things like that. But then I actually realized I actually really like dealing with staff. When you've got good people, it's awesome to work with them. They make it better. Um, and I don't have the energy now to be a really good dad and be killing myself um, front of house. Um, and also in hospitality, it's so locational. I don't, it's not like an online business that has infinite growth and an infinite market. I have a, a finite market. So I feel like we're probably reaching the peak of, we can probably grow more turnover, but we've, we've reached a solid foundation now. So the only way for me to really grow my income is to do another, another. Yeah. Job. So yeah. it's a bit of a scale play. Yeah. And will you run that current shop out of the existing Tallulah Cafe Proprietary Limited or set up another company? No, I'll set up another company. Yeah. Yeah. Which will be owned by the trust. Yeah. Yeah. So at least, you know, if you want to sell part or one or whatever, you can just chop, see you later. And you don't want the financial... um, You don't want them kind of crossed with each other. Yeah. You don't want them to impact each other financially. That's a big thing when you're growing, right? Is Mm. that first of all, you divide your energy. Um, So you maybe don't... And as you're saying, you had to kill some podcasts to be Mm. more effective at what you're doing. You're more profitable. So bigger isn't always better. Mm. Um, So I'm doing it very cautiously. Um, and you need to make sure that you have cash flow when you're growing because mm. if you start getting in a poor cash flow situation, you can't do what you need to do to grow the business the way you need to um, and you end up catching yourself out where you can't do what you need to do to make it successful. Yeah, I, my whole thing for the last 12 months or so is I want to do less and I want to do it better. Yeah. So with the, um, the other premises and even for this one, like the one thing that I hate on behalf of all hospitality owners is the business is only really worth what the lease is to a point. Yeah. So what type of like lease do you try and lock in? The longer the better. Yeah. Right? It's always I mean like it's, is this with the with the owner of this building say yeah we can give you a 10 plus 5 plus yeah, 5 or I something. I signed on for a straight 10 years. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Um that's cuz I back myself. Yeah. And this is what I was saying with this new business that I'm negotiating right now. They're like, "Oh, you know, do you want like a 3 year plus this this I'm like no, I was like, I'm not coming in this thinking I'm going to bail in two mm. or three years or thinking it might go wrong. I'm coming here because I think it's going to succeed. Mm. And I wanted the ability, yeah, in five years to probably sell it and have yeah. something to sell. Yeah, so um, what did you do, like a 10 plus? I did just five plus five there, yeah. um, which is fine. I've also got first option to buy the commercial premises. Yeah, right. So, um, and I've got that here as well. So I'm hoping awesome. commercial properties. But tricky, that's, but that our industry, that's the best thing to do. If you can own the building that you are operating in, then you can be paying yourself rent. But and, the first option yeah. to buy is also only if they want to sell it. Yeah. That's yeah. the, yeah, the yeah. kicker, isn't it? Yeah. Will, at some point, they'll always want to sell it. You know, mm. and these guys who, are, who I'm renting off are a generation ahead and I'm just not quite in a position to purchase that building. Otherwise, I would have been going to purchase something. So that's why I was Drew, like... Drew, have you thought about self-managed super with you and your wife to do it or...? Not an option. Yeah, no, it is. Um, it just puts a lot of eggs in my basket, especially because mm. my wife, um, we've got a few re- 
um, few investment properties as well. My, don't my dad always taught me to do make sure you diversify. Mm. Um, and actually, your super fund just invests in property anyway and a bunch of other things. I'm with Host Plus, who are really good growth um, super fund. Mm. So I don't think at this stage I'll be self-managed. Maybe in the future I will. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Yeah, no, that's yeah. cool. Um, yeah, right. Well, is there anything maybe that, you know, we've gone in a million directions, yeah, but just in, stuff, yeah. in finishing, any pearls of wisdom or advice that you'd want to encourage any other current or potential business owners with? Mm. I think I've dropped a few nuggets in there. I think specific to business, um, do what you're good at and surround yourself with people who are do good at what you're bad at. Um, and that's the only way you're going to do really well. Um, you know, there's so many facets to owning a business and you can't be an awesome accountant, an awesome bookkeeper. You know, I can't be an awesome head chef, an awesome barista, an awesome accountant, an awesome leader, you know, all those sorts of things. So I, you got to surround yourself with people who compliment you and acknowledge that those people who compliment you are going to challenge you and that's a good thing. So having employees who challenge you is good. Don't be afraid of that. It's about having some self-confidence in yourself that you can see it in a, in a non-personal objective way. Yeah, and then I've seen I've seen too many people who go into business doing what they love and not being able to do it anymore because they don't run the business very well. And I'm sure that's a massive part of what your podcast is about. I'm sure you provide so much content for people in how to do that. But you got to remember that profit is not a bad thing. It's mm. a good thing. You need it to continue doing what you're doing, and mm. it's it, and it's okay to make profit. <laughs> and, yeah, and and to look after yourself, you know, in that way. Mm. So yeah. Ah, awesome. Well, Jack from Tallulah Cafe, soon to be another venue in the Newcastle area. Thanks so much for having a chat and, you know, talking business and talking shop. Thanks for having me. I feel like we could talk for hours and... um, We really could. Yeah, I can't wait to hear some more of your podcasts and learn some more from uh, your other guests. Yeah. So, everyone, if you are in Newcastle, check out Tallulah Cafe. It's at the junction. Can't miss it. And, yeah, we'll try and do some more of these businessy episodes soon. Thank you. Thanks, Jack. See you guys soon. Bye. We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports a variety of charities, and we encourage you to consider giving as part of your overall financial strategy. If you would like some giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to mymillennial.money forward slash charities for more info. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Sherpa Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.